Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Sarah McDooling and I'm pretty much beside myself at the moment. Um, so excited to be talking to Lynette Noni. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Lynette, welcome back to the podcast. Um, you're here today to talk to us about your upcoming book, The Prison Healer. Before I launch into my extreme love for this book and a million questions, would you care to just outline for the people listening um, what, what the book is about? Okay, so The Prison Healer is about a 17-year-old girl called Kiva who has been locked for the last 10 years in a death prison called Zalandov. Now, most people die within a few months, sometimes weeks, sometimes even days of arriving. But Kiva's managed to survive for that decade by working as the prison healer, but also by keeping her head down and just keeping her wits but, and and spying on the other prisoners for the warden. Uh, so then one day, a, a rebel queen of one of the nations in this world is captured and she's sent to Zalandov prison and Kiva is tasked with keeping her alive long enough for her to, under the, the queen, to undertake this thing called the trial by ordeal, which is for elemental tasks, sentenced only to the very worst of people. But the queen has arrived very, very sick and so Kiva knows that she's not going to last long enough to actually meet the trials. But on top of that, Kiva also receives a note from the outside world, from her family. Uh, it's all in code and it says, don't let her die. We are coming. So suddenly Kiva's stuck between this rock and a hard place where she has to keep someone who is dying alive to, in order that she might survive something that is unsurvivable. And so Kiva kind of volunteers in her place to do the trials, knowing that she won't make it through them, but also that she just needs to stall long enough for some kind of rescue to come. So that's kind of the premise of The Prison Healer. There is a, um, a lovable young assistant who is just a little ray of sunshine. There is a surly but companionable, companionable and protective guard. There is a charming love interest. There is a plague that's going around the prison. There's all kinds of different elements all thrown into this, um, this book to make it one hopefully epic read. Oh, hearing you go over it again just takes me right back. This was a <laughs> wild reading experience for me. I just got so deeply sucked in. Um, it, oh, was a, it was a stay up till you finish reading type experience. Um, and like and it always blows me away when authors who... So, okay, this is the part where I'm just going to heap some praise on you. So, like... Aww. Um, <laughs> Don't make me blush. <laughs> yeah. So, it'll probably, that will probably be a running theme of this podcast. But uh, you're an internationally best-selling, multi-award winning author with this massive, deeply devoted fan base. So, like, pretty much by any standards which you judge these things, you're an author at the top of your game. And... Speaking of someone who's read all your previous books and loves all your previous books, this book totally surprised me and blew me away. And I feel like, you know, you, you, you gain certain expectations going in when you like an author and you've read their previous work. And this one totally blew my mind. It's, it's a little darker and scarier than I expected. It's still everything that you want from a Lynette Noni book, but it sort of like felt like it was to the power of 10. Um, oh, yay. <laughs> with, yeah, like the scope of the storytelling here just, I guess my question is, I'm working up to it, is um, <laughs> would, would you agree that this is kind of like a somewhat of a new direction for you? I, I think it's a natural progression for me. Um, the later books in my Medoran Chronicles certainly got a little bit... Uh, more intense and a little bit darker. Um, they were still very, 
you know, happy, happy fantasy, but you know, there were, there were moments of like torture and a lot of death and a lot of action and, and fantasy violence. And so I think, and my whisper series, um, you know, there's the psychological, uh, you know, thrillerness of that one. And it's got some really not so pleasant um, medical kind of procedure kind of unpleasant kind of things. I don't even know how to talk about that. One, you know. um, but the prison healer is, um, it is really, it is, a, I mean, it is set in a death prison. So I did a lot of research on concentration camps and, and some of the most horrific prisons in the world and, and the way prisoners have been treated throughout history. And, um, and, you know, and I visited a lot of prisons and, and, um, and so, you know, there was a deep dive into that. I did, uh, obviously as a young adult author, I tried to keep it as young adult friendly as possible, aware that, you know, I have a young readership and I want this to be appropriate for them and not scarring in any way, but there are certainly uh, triggers in this book. And, you know, I, I had to try and make it as real as possible if you think about a setting of a death prison people aren't going to be happy there there's going to be mentions of um of violence and abuse and and the guards taking um advantage of people and and people you know and this this world that this prison is in you know they're not getting enough food it's too cold everything about it people are sent to this place to die it is the ultimate destination for someone who to the eyes of the world has done something wrong whether it's you know, steal a piece of bread if we go back to, you know, back to our earlier days or whether it's something like committing treason against the crown. So the, despite the severity of the crime, they all go to this one place until they die and they labor there. And so there are people who work in the quarry. There are people who dig tunnels beneath the prison. There are people who are in the lumberyard. There are, you know, most of the roles of this place are intended to break a person's spirit. Um, and so all of that does set up a pretty dark world. But what I hope that readers will get from this is that even in the darkest of times, you can still find the light. And so there is so much about this book that is about, about hope and about building friendships and, and choosing your own kind of family in the most horrific of places and, and surviving things that, that should be unsurvivable and, and just, um, I guess keep fighting. The whole the whole point of the prison healer is is about survival. And so, while I I hope that people will just you know sit back and read and enjoy the book, I would really love it if in some way it was imprinted on people that even in a fictional setting, if someone can go through something like this and keep fighting, then whatever I'm going through in my own life, I can I can fight for another day as well. So I guess yes, there are a lot of darker themes, but my hope is that people will see the light in it as well. I, I think that you 100% achieve that and that really this background of um, Zalendov and the hardship that Keeper goes through because you really do put her through the ringer. Um, <laughs> but all of that is just a sort of prime storytelling ground for heroism and like compassion and, you know, the best of humanity to come shining through. And I like, and it's what makes this such a intense and unputdownable read because I mean, you know, you're you are in some life-threatening situations, like for a large portion of this book, when Key was <laughs> not trying to survive the, the trials, she's just trying to survive Zalendorf, which is hard enough. Um, and uh, I guess uh, I think um, I, because you do you know, I want to do stress for people listening. First and foremost, this is an adventurous story with a, a like heart 
pounding romance and it's a it's not as dark as it may sound when we discuss these things these are just part this part of the story um but i did want to ask when you're an author who's writing about potentially triggering subjects and you do touch on some in the story here i think with great sensitivity and care um but i imagine it's challenging for you right and i just when i was reading it i was thinking i wondering whether it's harder or or in what ways is writing this in a fantasy setting more challenging? You know, I know you haven't perhaps attempted to do it in a contemporary setting, but I just thought you could speak to that as a fantasy author writing about um, topics, you know, that, that people may deal with in real life. Definitely. Um, so I guess the first thing is I have to be very careful and, and uh, you know, I have, um, in one way or another, I have a responsibility to protect my readers, especially those who are younger, um, and and you know, and to be aware of what content I am feeding them and how I do it. But on the other end of the scale, these are very real things that happen in real life, and there is such a there is such a an overlying theme of mental health in this book, um, which I guess you would assume would happen in a place like a death prison. There are going to be a lot of those elements, and uh, you know, this world that we live in, it is. It is dark, if we're being honest. It is. It is dark. People go through horrible things, and and it seems to be happening more and more and more, especially with social media being what it is. And and yes, okay, we might not be facing imminent torture or death from guards in a prison. Some people might be, um, but for the most part, we aren't. But we have our own battles, and we have our own darkness that we are fighting. And so I wanted to. I I felt like I had a duty in a sense to represent that in the most careful um, but realistic way that I could um, because you know so one example is and it is not a it is not a a main central part of the plot so I'm not really giving anything away but at one point you find out that one of the main characters at some point in her past she um, um, she had enough mental health um, problems and uh, enough guilt of stuff that she was doing that she self-harmed and um, and so she had found the way and the tools to move on from that and so we learn about it in a this is something I've gone through I'm now through it but I you know I've had to deal with it and it's hard and and you know I'm these kind of things and so because of that that's because more and more I'm hearing of like my my own life my own friends people in my own world who who have these hidden parts of their life that they that they're like maybe even secretly ashamed of and and that's so dangerous because that's when yeah. in real life people if you hide a struggle that you are going through it's just going to become like an infection beneath the skin and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and so the best thing you can do is talk about it in the safe space to someone who who, who you are protected by and who will be there for you and hold your hand through that until you get through it um and so i guess I guess I wanted to, in the, again, in the safest way I could, I wanted to bring awareness to some things, whether they are fantasy or not, so that people might feel encouraged and emboldened to realise that, okay, maybe maybe I should talk to someone about what I'm going through. If this character who I love and relate to can have the courage and the strength to do it, to to talk to someone or to to get past this, then then I'm not so alone in the world and maybe I can do that too. And so it's a very scary line that I have to straddle because you know i'm at the end of the day i'm i want to just write a nice entertaining book but um you know i would also love for people to know that they're not alone and that yeah that 
that this is a big scary world, but we can, you know, when we, when we have people around us, we can kind of wade through it together. Does that answer your question? It does. And I want to just really reiterate that I think you, you did it with care. It was really well handled and really well done. Um, and, you know, while perhaps if you're recommending the book, trigger warnings might help, I think that anyone who maybe has those triggers would feel safe in your hands here. Um, I hope so. Thank you. Yeah, and so now that we've talked about all the really heavy stuff, um, <laughs> I'd like to talk about the romance. Um, do you know um, that quote from the movie Speed about relationships that start in extreme circumstances? Yes, I do. I love that quote. That is what... <laughs> So that's, I love relationships that start in extreme circumstances. If you're going to talk about romance tropes, there's nothing I love more than two people who are fighting for survival, finding time in between life-threatening situations to really fall in love. And um, and so I guess, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to be too spoilery, but what are the challenges of writing romance when you've got so much action and so many, so many life-threatening things going on standing in the way of those cute moments? Oh man, I mean it's a balancing act, that's for sure. I think I think because I am naturally pretty against insta love, um, that you know, any book I ever write, I will always be in it for the long game. So I will know from the very beginning that that the setup has to be good. And even if there's instant attraction, I have no, you know, instant attraction I think is important. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's that, then that tension builds between them because you know that they're kind of fighting things even if they don't want to. Um, and so, you know, I have a lot of experience with this in my Medoran Chronicle series, which is a, a five book series with a set of novellas. Um, it takes the entire five books before the main characters actually come yeah. together. And, and you're waiting for it the entire time along. And they have these beautiful, cute, moments that you're just rooting for them and you're just like come on and um and so you know and I just feel like the payoff for something like that if you can be patient some of the my favorite books I've ever read you know it's you are just waiting to get to that moment where it's just like a yay you know and so um yeah so that's kind of with the prison healer again with the setting it really helped I guess to to slow that relationship down in the sense that you know Kiva, who has been in this this horrible situation for ten years, she doesn't trust anyone. She's got she's got very few people in her world who she'll who she'll let in. Even the closest people to her, which is that young boy I mentioned before, um, and this kind of grumpy old morgue worker, um, <laughs> you know, who is just this, you know, he's just I don't know. You just imagine this this lovable old man who is just kind of wants to pat her on the head, kind of thing. Anyway, she even those like she's known them for long enough that, you know, they're her closest people, but she still, she won't let herself care about them because in a place like Zalandov, she just knows that everyone's going to die and to form a relationship, it's just going to cause her problems. So when the love interest comes into it, and especially when he is designated work in one of the hardest labor parts of the prison, she's like, well, he's going to be dead in the month. So that's that. And so, um, so it helps because of her emotional, um, I guess, her emotional abandonment to everyone and around her, it helped to kind of keep that distance there from her perspective, especially because the novel is set from her perspective. And, uh, and so she has very valid reasons for keeping people at arm's length and that helped with that. But he had other plans. He, he was a little bit too persistent and, and wants, you know, 
wants to break through the walls that she's put up. And so, you know, the entire novel um, and beyond is him doing everything he can to, to convince her otherwise. <laughs> and beyond. How tantalising. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll get... I'm going to go, I'm going to stray into the potentially mildly, I'll be really careful, say if I've said something wrong, spoiler land. So, oh, how do I phrase this? There's a lot of, you pull off something pretty extraordinary in this book, I feel, in terms of delicate plot work. Um, and I love when authors do a thing and you do a thing in this that I, I really like. It's, um, and I feel like it must have been really hard. So when you've got twists in soul for the reader, I won't say how many, um, and your main character has, you know, perhaps some surprises up her sleeve, but you're writing in close third. Like, are you able to, in a spoiler-free way, talk about the challenges of, of weaving through, like telling a fast-paced story that never quits, like there's never a moment here that, where the things aren't going on, and you've got so many balls up in the air. Yes. So I had a lot of fun with this because I knew what that thing I think you're alluding to is <laughs> um, from the very beginning. And I knew that was how that, that events would be leading to that. And so, which really helped because it meant that I could thread in those hints all the way along, but in a way that um, the beauty of the prison healer is that, my hope is um, the first time you read through it, you'll have no idea about some of these twists. But when you go back in a second read, you'll be like smacking your forehead because you're like, it is so obvious. It is right there. <laughs> like one line or one word or one little hint here or there that, and the thing is I've, I've hopefully done it in a way that in the initial read, you read into it in the wrong way. So I've done a lot of distraction and, and there are other uh, plot arcs with this book that, that do kind of take your eye elsewhere when I don't want you to be focused on what I'm setting up to reveal. And so, um, and I think, and there's, and also there is one twist that I, 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 you know, I personally feel is so obvious and I've tried to write it so that it would be obvious so that people would be focused on that twist and not the others. And so, because, you know, as a reader, you're always looking for twists and you're like, you know what, there's going to be one. I think it's this one. I think it's this one. And so I wanted to make one that was hidden-ish, but, you know, a savvy reader would, would be like clued in about this is being set up. And so, because as a reader, you kind of get a bit of satisfaction when you're like, I was right. I knew it all the way along. And so I really tried to um, have an obvious twist in order to distract from the less obvious twists. So there was, there was a few different things that I did to try and, and cover up, um, you know, the other things that would come along. Um, but again, in a reread, once you know all the facts, it is all right there in front of you. So, yeah. I'm, really I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the reread, actually. But the experience of reading it for the first time for me, I can't tell you how many. I do a lot of crime reading. And Okay. Um, and reviewing of crime novels. So the execution of plot twists is something I've, like, just I read it a lot, right? So the experience I had when reading a book is exactly what you just described. You're a magician. You had me so, like, <laughs> distracted over here that I did not see all this other stuff coming and I was completely sideswiped. It was great. I loved it. Yay. Um, and <laughs> awesome. It, it's something that, you know, like I haven't really, I haven't been that genuinely beautifully like taken by surprise in a book for quite a while. So, I mean, hats off. I loved it. 
Thank you. That is high praise coming from you. So I very much appreciate it. <laughs> and, and, but the end is so hard to get to because you're there. You've just had some knowledge dropped on you and then peace out. And all of the readers are just like left there, like, wow, okay, what? But the but the wonderful thing is, is that um, I have noticed the release date of book two is closer than I would have expected. Are we allowed to talk about book two? It's yes, out. For it's sure. announced, yeah. right? Yes, yeah. it has been announced. So the book two um, is called The Gilded Cage. Um, and it comes out just six months after book one. So book one is coming out in Australia on March 30th. Book two is coming out uh, in October. So you don't have to wait that long uh, to find out what happens next, which I'm sure readers will appreciate. Oh, my gosh. They're going to appreciate that so much. I appreciate that so much. And what's the reason for Is that just you being really kind and knowing that you're going to leave people hanging and so you won't make us wait that long? Or just is it because of how quickly you write? Or how come we get to have book two so quickly? Um, it was a combination of events. I think when I signed on with my international publishers, they pitched the idea and they said, you know, we would really, we'd really love the idea of, you know, making the biggest splash as possible with this series as we can. Um, and that helps if we can roll straight in, like from the marketing of one book straight into the marketing of another book. Because normally young adult books come out yearly, right? And so you have the initial big burst of whatever. But by the time the year is up, people have kind of forgotten about it and you kind of have to start all over again to remake people aware of things. Um, And so in Australia, this wouldn't be so much of a thing for me because I'm established over here and, and, you know, I have a really beautiful, dedicated fan base. But since we're doing this, it's kind of the, the, it's my first book that's coming out in the UK and it's um, my first, um, that's kind of my biggest US release. And so we just wanted to capitalise that in any, on any way, capitalise on that in any way that we could. And because I do have, you know, I do write quite quickly, um, I was, you know, I can't, I didn't commit at first. I was like, well, let's just see how we go. Um, and, um, and, but, you know, I got the book done in time for us to, have it edited and I've just finished my final read through of it. So it's all from my end, it's all done and it'll be, it's just going through the final little proofreading tweaks and then it'll be off to, off to getting advanced copies done and all of that. So, um, and then off to the printer and I know it's terrifying. Um, And so, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited because, you know, 2020 last year, the year that in the future, no one will ever talk about. Um, <laughs> actually, probably everyone will talk about and just sort of line up saying that's not talking about this. Um, but it was the first year since I was published that I didn't have a book scheduled to release. And that was purely by coincidence. Um, I got all the contract offers and everything for the prison healer at the end of 2019 before COVID hit. And everyone was like, you know what, let's leave 2020 out of it and jump straight in strong in 2021. Um, and that was really fortunate in hindsight because none of us knew what was going to happen and it meant that I could write and edit and everything without having to worry about releasing a book in the middle of a pandemic. So I really feel for every single author who has had to navigate that in the last year. It's been, ugh. Um, I've, I think I've changed it a bit, but the answer to your question is it was planned from the beginning that we would try for six months between releases and, um, and, you know, the more people who are reading early copies of The Prison Healer, the more I'm realising that I'm really relieved that we are managing to, to bring out book two um, so quickly because I, otherwise I'm just going to be fielding, you know, why do I do not have the next book ready? 
<laughs> so, so at least this way I can say, you don't have to wait long, it's coming soon. <laughs> it really is a blessing. And anyone who's listening to this podcast and about to read Prison Healer, when you, when you get to the end, A, I feel and sympathise with what you're going through and B, keep in mind, more is coming before the end of this year. I think it's an important thing for people to know when they get to that ending. <laughs> That's true. And also don't like a bit of advice and, you know, don't jump to the end because you'll ruin the entire story for yourself if you do. <laughs> I agree with that. And, you know, I'm a big, I've gone on and on at length in many, many of these podcasts about how I don't care about spoilers and that if the book is really good, it can withstand you knowing what happens in the end. I think that's true here, but also the joy of being surprised when it's done well um, is worth it's, it's worth not spoiling yourself for this one if you can. And I say that as someone who's very low-key about spoilers. Like, I, don't, I, normally, I normally don't care. I'm like, tell me the end. That'll convince me whether to read it or not. So, like, and, Well, and I come across it from the point of I have worked so hard to set this up in the most subtle way possible. So do yourself a favour and do me a favour and enjoy the process. I really think you would be, readers would do themselves a favour to just, like, hand themselves over to little Lynette Noni and enjoy this book because you've... <laughs> Uh, you've you've done a thing and you've done it expertly I really like thank you I love how how well it all has come together it's an amazing reading experience and you are like the perfect example of what you've done in this book is what I so often say which is that sometimes plot twists um don't land because it's as though the author has tried to be as unexpected as possible right like I just want so, something so out of left field that no one's ever going to possibly guess this and that's never the best plot twist the plot twist is always the thing where it's like the end of the sixth sense the moment it happens you realize of course like of course on some <laughs> level I knew this but I was too distracted or too wrapped up in the story to to see it at the time and um that's how I felt reading this book 100 percent you're like of course like I <laughs> like part of me should have known this but I would you can't there's no time there's no time to figure out the ending and people shouldn't even try just enjoy that's this ride good. I think you mentioned before that you read a lot of crime novels I think because I watch I don't read a lot of crime novels but I watch a lot of crime shows and I think it's exactly what you said it's so obvious who the bad guy is that you know you want you want something that's a little bit more thought out and a little bit more nuanced and a little bit more like you know I'm, I'm in the bad crime shows the good ones are like who who's who is it I can't figure it out um but then the other end of the scale is if it's too much of a curveball you're like well they could have you know that's not I don't have any emotional, you know, attachment and, to this character because yeah. it's someone new who I haven't met yet. So I tried to find a, a balance between that would keep it, you know, keep people on their toes and keep things clever, but at the same time, um, you know, not be too obvious, but also not be too curveball, like too left field. Yeah, so. nothing's, it's not like you're going to have, oh, the murderer was cousin Robert, who you've never <laughs> met before. Here he is. Yeah, like, surprise. Nothing, nothing completely like, unknowable to the reader but um just so well so well there's just it's the pace of this book does not allow the part of your brain that tries to figure out twists to work it's too wrapped up <laughs> being worried for the lives of all the characters like you're too you're too busy a person can't be that worried for the fate of a character and thinking ahead and trying to guess what's coming next you can't do both those things and so I think that's why it works so well because there is rarely a moment in prison healer where your heart's not in your throat 
worried for somebody's fate. Usually keepers. Oh, good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess we're, we're kind of running a little bit short on time. You've already spoken a bit about what's up next for you. We've got coming in um, October. Are you able to speak beyond that? Do, we, do you know if will it be another six months book three or is that all like uh, we can't talk about that yet? Um, we're still deciding. I mean, the hope is that it will be six months, but it's dependent on a lot of things. I have a lot of um, obligations in the lead up to The Prison Healer and, and just because I've just finished the second book, um, I now have to begin drafting the third book. And, and the second book veered into territory I was not entirely expecting and I love everything about it but it does mean that my plans for the third book are a little bit off kilter now and so I have to figure out um like I have to figure out how to work I've come up I just I'm so I cannot ah I'm so I cannot describe how excited I am to draft this third book but so now I just I really um I want to try and enjoy it as well because the the problem not problem but I'm going to use the word problem is I drafted the second book in the middle of covid um just as the pandemic kind of hit is around March uh, Marchish last year um but on top of that you know I had had surgery I had just been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease my grandmother died all in that period uh, while we we're on lockdown and while um you know while I had you know about six weeks to write this book and so it was a really 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 challenging experience to me um and it meant that while it's now the book like the gilded cage I'm talking about while it's now the book that I am most proud of because I've worked so hard to get it where I was and I had to push through so much emotionally mentally and physically um but because I just adore this series and these characters so much, I really want to take the time to enjoy writing that final book. Um, so, you know, I may well, I wrote the first book in 26 days, so it's entirely possible that I will write the third book in just a short amount of time, in which case, yes, it will be out faster. But we, we want to try and have it as balanced as possible. So we will see, um, we don't have a pub date yet for it yet. So it'll be, you know, but that is next on my list is to write that book. And then as soon as it's done, we will be announcing when it's coming out. Well, you can't rush genius. And we've been <laughs> spoiled. We've been spoiled by the short time between book one and book two. So if we have to wait a while for book three, I think everyone will understand. Um, <laughs> it won't be a long while, I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, I mean, I, I was about to wrap things up, but then you mentioned how all of the stuff that you went through when writing this book and it just, I was sitting there listening to you list everything that you dealt with in um, 2020 and knowing that all of this was happening in the lead up to you mentioned this is your first book that's got simultaneous international release yes yeah so like what how much of a different experience is that um building up to the release of a book and knowing it's going to be out everywhere or in multiple countries it's it's really surreal and it's i've just been you know, I've just been blessed by the most amazing teams around me, my US team, um, who is, I guess, leading the charge, I guess you could say. Um, and then Penguin Random House in Australia, who have just been the most beautiful people. And, um, and then new publishers to me, because prior to that, I was with Pantera Press with my other publishers. And so, you know, it was all unknown territory stepping in with them, but they've just been so wonderful. And, and my UK publishers, um, which is uh, Hoda, and um, they are just you know, they're just so lovely. And so it's just been to know I have such support and like, and this is, you know, in, in something like 
I don't know, 12 or 15 or 10, I can't remember the number, but like in all these other foreign territories have picked it up as well. It's gone to auction in all these different countries and it's being translated into all these incredible, you know, editions and stuff. And so knowing that so many people are backing this book and want the best for me as the author, but also want the best for these characters in this world, it's, you know, I just have to take moments where I sort of I stop and I sit back and I'm like, you know, you know, I've, yes, I've worked really hard to get to this point, but I know a lot of authors who've worked really hard in their careers and, and, you know, and it, it's so much of it is about luck and about the market and about things that we don't have any control over. So, um, so yeah, I just, I just have to stop and just be like, sit and have moments of gratitude and be like, Oh, okay. I don't know how this happened, but this is just beautiful. So I'm terrified. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really, I, I sit on that like seesaw of terror and excitement and so I just kind of I'm thankfully now at the point where I know that it is completely out of my hands it's now down to the different territories and the marketing and the readers it's mostly down to the readers and so I just have to hope that it it hits where you know hits the hearts of people and um but ultimately all I can do is write the book and everything else out of my hands so fingers crossed that you know that people enjoy it <laughs> I feel very confident they will to quote you from about 10 seconds ago, a seesaw of terror and excitement is pretty much an accurate description of my experience while reading Prison Healer. That's, <laughs> I love that. You're just really excited and then really scared and really excited and then really scared throughout. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I like, I re really, really loved it. Very much looking forward to book two. I could, I could, I love it, but people have <laughs> probably gathered that by now. Um, <laughs> and we've, we've taken up a lot of your time so so thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and talking to us about prison healer no thank you so much for having me it's been absolutely delightful to be here and talk to you about this and you also very kindly um signed a lot of uh copies of this book for us um so thank you for that as well uh no, we're, we're really welcome. excited to have them um, at the time of recording this podcast, there are signed copies available. I expect they probably won't last very long. So um, if, if you're listening to this and you come on the website and they're gone, I'm sorry. But yeah. if, if, you snooze, if, you lose. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we appreciate it so much. And, um, and so, yeah, thank you. And podcast listeners, you can grab uh, your copy of The Prison Healer. You can also pre-order book two in the series The Gilded Cage. And all of Lynette Noni's amazing backlist titles at your local bookstore or online at Booktopia. Thanks so much for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget... You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.